0: This is sound of black and brown. How are y'all doing? This is some serious heat out here, y'all. This is some serious heat. I think my eyebrows are sweating. Well, on today's podcast, we're talking about a different type of heat. We're talking about the on the black and brown activists. What do y'all think about that? What am I talking about? What is she talking about? What does she mean? Well, I don't know if you knew about what's happening right here. In good old connecticut the war on the black and brown activists is real very very real the state of connecticut has no problem criminalizing and attempting to disenfranchise black and brown activists how do you feel about that what are your thoughts right do you feel like that's true do you feel like there's um you know something to be said here what do you think would The state of Connecticut, who talks about diversity, equity, inclusivity, do you really, really think that they will sit here and gaslight and gatekeep black and brown activists? How do you feel about that? How do you think that works? Who do you think is most impacted? So here's the thing. Um, Shout out to the white folk who woke up and realized that they have privilege and they'd like to help us out, but. The problem is, is that we also have this unspoken issue of the black and brown people being shoved out of their own diaspora, right? So we're seeing an increasing trend of various agencies deciding that they are woke and that they are, you know, about the movement. And they use the term grassroots organizing very, very loosely. What do I mean by that? So what does grassroots organizing mean to you, right? What does that mean? What do you think about when you hear grassroots organizing? Who comes to your mind? Do you think about, um, I don't know, Huey P. Newton? Or do you think about, you know, something more politically driven, something like Barack Obama, right? Is there a difference between the two? What does grassroots organizing mean to you? What does that term mean to you? Hey, Amy, glad to see you on. Now, let me tell you something. There's a lot of white people who, you know, they want to do the right thing, but they end up doing the white thing. What the hell am I talking about? I mean that sometimes we don't realize, or I should say I'm not white, so I can't say we, (laughs) definitely not white, Uh, I think it's pretty obvious. But we have the well-to-do white folk who, you know, they mean well, they want to do well, but they miss the mark because despite their presence and despite their involvement, they still do not understand their whiteness. They still don't understand it. They don't get it. What do you think about that statement, Amy? Type something in the chat for the people. What do you think about, you know, the fact that we have white people who want to do and say the white things at the white time? They call themselves woke, right? But the truth is, they're asleep. They're asleep. (laughs) Amy says she (laughs) agrees Because it's true. It's true. Because, you see, they do things to... The extent of their comfort, and she's absolutely right. My god, Amy, you came to teach a lesson today. Let me tell you something Amy is not my complexion, Amy is one of several white allies that I'm happy to know um, and happy to be in solidarity with. You know, there are a few white people who actually want to do the right thing, they do, but unfortunately. There's also the increasing problem of how much solidarity is enough. Because you see, again, traditionally it has been that you could show empathy to a certain extent, to a certain extent, meaning to the extent that um, your whiteness allows you to, right? To the extent that you are comfortable being in that space, right? That's the thing right? Like, we need to really unpack that piece of it. No, here's another piece of it, right? I have, in my experience, had to, I didn't have to do shit, but in my experience, I have encountered white people saying, hey, CJ, how can I unpack my whiteness? But then when I tell them what I, you know, what the expectation of an ally is, then I get the whole, well, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. Like, I didn't ask you that. I didn't ask you what you was doing. I'm telling you, if you are serious, if you are vested, if you are interested, any of those words apply to what you want to do in the movement, then there are things that you need to do in order for us to get there. And it starts with you unpacking your damn whiteness. Now, this is especially critical when we are on the road, when we are in public because the attack on the black and brown activists is at an all-time high the problem is the white media is not going to cover that what they're going to do they're going to make and seem make it seem as if you know um it's just us being us meaning black people just being loud and everything else black people just you know um taking it just so far when well, the truth of the matter is when they decide to stand up against uh, white supremacy and racism, they do it, most of them do it to their extent of comfort. And when we really need them to get up and stand up, they sit there and stare. I'll give an example of when that happened. That happened not too long ago, right? Meaning within this century, within the last few years, a black activist was at the Capitol and she was there in protest, um, you know, standing up for her rights. She wasn't doing anything wrong. And next thing you know, she gets spit on by a white woman <laughs> carrying a baby. Well, it turned out this alleged um, mother was not a mother. She was a motherfucker, but she wasn't a mother. She actually had a toy baby, and she was standing right next to Corinne, and she spit on her. <sighs> now, I know about you, but I don't take kindly to anybody hawking and spitting on me. I don't find that to be very cordial. Um, I feel like if you decided to hawk and spit on me, there's some stuff going on there. Um, And I don't think it's the type of behavior that shows that you like me. That's the short version of the story. It would take her in years, right? Meaning it's been about, what is it, two years now since that happened. And only for the case to be dismissed. You heard that right. This white woman spits on a black woman. The black woman files, you know, her complaint you know, and everything else, she follows the process, you know, and then she's told the case is dismissed. Was that not aggressive enough? Would it have been a worse hate crime if the said black, uh, white woman took out a gun and shot the black woman? How far does the discrimination need to go before somebody says this right here is some serious bullshit? Help me help you okay because here's what i know hate never make made america great immigrants did though yes they did the first set of immigrants that came to this shithole were africans right so for all of you people who feel like when you hear the word immigration you tie it only to a particular population there are many many immigrants who contributed to america to make it great they brought their food they brought their culture they bought their talents. they bought their drive. Okay, this happened right here. That's what made America great. What does not make America great is when you have white people choosing when they will use their privilege to dismantle the chains of white supremacy. That does not make America great. That does not make America even good. In the case of the activist, I'm referring to Corinne Prescott, right? Yes, Amy is absolutely correct. Anti-racism has to begin with unpacking ourselves, meaning as a white person. And it is a continued lesson, never ending. That is absolutely correct. If you say you learned it, you're lying to yourself the most, let me tell you, you are lying to yourself the most, right? We need to really unpack this for what it is because You know, here is this young black activist, a mother, someone who's disabled, and here she is at the Capitol standing up for her rights, and she gets spit on by a white woman who pretended to be a mother, ran into a crowd of other white supremacists, and hid. And the Connecticut system says, oh, well, that wasn't a big deal. Are you fucking kidding me? Are we serious here? Are y'all for real? Do you see how this is problematic? Does that, does that, does that make sense to you? Like, I mean, am I the only one who sees that this is a problem? See, cause Connecticut, cl- you know, it claims, it said, it said, it said allegedly that it gives a fuck about equity, diversity, inclusivity. But then when you hear about these instances, does that seem that way? Does that sound to you like a state that is doing that? Why is it that every time There's something pertinent to equity, inclusivity, diversity. Connecticut has to study it. Help me understand that. How much do you need to really study racism before you deal with it? And for my my white people on the call, allies, non-allies, I want you to think about something. How would you really expect to cure a problem that your people created by not facing yourselves? You see, here's the thing. Y'all could have all these little group meetings and y'all could do all of these little things. But if you're not facing yourself, if you're not, you know, um, if you're not doing what you need to do to address the issue, and it starts with you, this is more than you showing up on the streets and saying Black Lives Matter. I'm glad that you could do that. I'm glad that you could show up. I'm very happy when you all do. But that is not the only way. And if anything, as a good friend of mine says, that's the easiest thing to do. The hard thing is to go on the job and say, hey, we don't have more white managers. The hard thing is to say to your boss, stop picking on that black person or brown person over there. See, to me, that's where you truly show your solidarity. When you say, hey, you know, I feel like so-and-so. You know, yes, exactly, Amy. Speak up in the white spaces because that's where the real change happens. As a good friend, the queen, Barbara Fair says, you know, you have to do more than march. It is true. It is true. We could march all day. I'll shed some weight. You know, we'll spend time together. But the real battle happens when we change the laws. When we say things like, we don't want the police to target our people anymore. When we say to the bad bosses, you need to cut it out. When we tell the businesses, doing a monthly education, sorry, not even monthly, yearly education thing on um, equity is not how we solve the problem. When you say to the state of Connecticut, why the fuck are you all studying racism? What, what are you all going to draw a pie chart? Is that what it is? How about you do something like, I don't know, improve the effectiveness of the Department of Labor by giving them the resources they need. Mm-hmm. Invest in the spaces where the poverty could be reversed, where the biases could be addressed, okay? How how could you sit there and say Black Lives Matter, but then sit also sit there and encourage racism so i see manny just tuned in manny let me update you here so we're talking about a recent incident well it's not so recent there's a couple of things we're going to talk about and y'all of course you know i didn't invite him by mistake you're about to get it he about to lay it down this is about to get real real so manny today we're going to talk about two things two attack on two black women that i happen to know whoopsies right one has to do with karen prescott the black activist who got spit on out in Hartford, right? When she was out there, she's from New Britain. She was at an event at the Capitol. She was chanted on the white supremacy and a white woman who pretended to be a mother, she had a baby in a carrier to make it look like she had a baby. It was never a baby. It was a doll. When Corinne was standing there chanting, out no, Black Lives Matter, this white woman oh, spit on her ran into the crowd and ran away. She would later get arrested and charged but the charges were recently dropped. The second instance I want us to touch on, and I can't wait to hand this over for you just let it loose, is what's happening right now in Hamden, Connecticut, where Megan Friedman, who should really be identified as a reporter for the Ku Klux Klan, decided to write not just one, but two articles calling out Rhonda C. You see him in an attempt to disenfranchise her. Why? because the mayor, Lauren Garrett, who exploited the Black Lives Matter movement to get elected just like her friend Dusted Elliker did, okay, thinks this is okay. How do you feel about the continual disenfranchisement, defamation of black and brown activists? Take it from me, man. Thank
1: you, thank you. and. Uh... Pardon my my late entry. I had a little technical difficulties, but um, you know, <laughs> it, it's it never ceases to amaze me that um, we we as a people, and uh, by we I mean we the oppressed, by right? we I mean we the victims of hate, by right? we I mean we the people who have to continue so, so often deal with aspects of society that should have been dealt with and should have been done and left behind decades ago, right? Generations ago. But we, <laughs> we still are dealing with it today. And, you know, it, it's just... One, not only is it disheartening, right? Not only is it disheartening, but it also, for me as an activist, right? It also reminds me how important it is for us to continue fighting, for us to continue bringing the fight to them, right? Because they have no problem bringing it to us. I mean, that's that's just clear right? They will meet us anywhere we are, and even if we're not doing anything, they'll still bring the fight to us, right? So uh, that itself is clear, and and that has been shown time and time after again, Uh, whether it's now, whether it was in the 60s, whether it's in the 1800s, I mean, you can chase it back as far as you want to. The point is, is they have no problem bringing the fight to us. So... Now, when we begin to bring the fight to them, well, now the narrative changes. Now we are the crazy ones. Now we are the belligerent people, you know, who, who aren't civilized or, or who just want to stir up problems. And, and, and we just want to, you know, divide people. And, and whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Let's get something straight here. That's not what we're doing at all, right? What we are doing is no longer staying complacent and still in the places that you have put us in, right? We are removing ourselves from those complacent places, stepping outside of so many zones of comfort that we were forced into. But let's get let's get that straight right there. These weren't zones of comfort that yes. we created ourselves.
0: Yes. Yes and yes and preach man. Keep it going.
1: Come on. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean we just we have to acknowledge that. We didn't create these comfort zones ourselves. We didn't come decide, you know, as one people that, you know, we're gonna you know, we're gonna stay here and we're gonna be complacent and we're not gonna stir up any trouble. No, no, no. That was that was not our decision. We were forced into these complacency, uh, these habits of complacency, right? They were told, "Don't stir up problems," you know, "or there's going to be consequences." Don't speak your mind, or there's going to be consequences. Don't do this or this or this because it's dividing people, and you know it's just not your place, and you know you should focus on other things. Let's get that straight. That's that's what we were forced. do and so now now that we are daring to leave those comfort zones and and step outside of those boundaries that were placed around us now we are seen as the people who want to start problems now we are seen as you know how dare you right (laughs) How dare the you nerd. say this, how,
0: the you know, the
1: audacity you the have audacity. To,
0: to call yes. us out
1: or the audacity you have to speak your mind on this.
0: That's your problem. You don't know how to be a good slave, Manny. That's what's wrong with us.
1: You know, it's, it's like, it's like, um, no, we, we didn't teach you guys to do this, <laughs> you know? And it's, but, but see, that's, that's why. That's why activists like me, like you, like there's so many other people you know that, that are here I mean across the nation, right who we don't care about those boundaries. We don't, we don't care about those comfort zones, you know? Because for people like me and you, and I'm sure so many others, we weren't comfortable in those zones either way. That, those weren't comfort zones for us you know, the second we realize what the boundaries were, we realize, you know, what was happening. It's uncomfortable to be in those so-called comfort zones. So when I hear about, you know, the attacks of black and brown activists, the narratives that start to get placed on them and, 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 you know, the labels and how the stories, that are uh, put around them just to make them seem like they are in the wrong for wanting to do what's right. Right? That, that honestly disturbs, I mean, every atom <laughs> in my being because how dare they, that's what I'm saying. How dare they?
0: So wait, pause for a cause right there. Because essentially that's what happened in the Corinne case. So let's start to unpack this. Let's start with Corinne. So here's Corinne, young black mother. She's disabled. She has her disability she's handling, right? She's still here fighting the fight. Look, not all of us can handle the front line. That's a fact. And there's no judgment there, right? But we should empower and support the ones who press against the oppression, who take it upon themselves to say enough is enough and I'm going to get up and stand up. Here she was at the Capitol, minding her good business, right? Doing what she knows to do. Now, mind you, there were other people around her, alleged white allies. A couple of them, when the instance happened where the woman, the racist, because it was a racist, it was a Republican, you know, hawked and spit on, spat on her, however the fuck you want to say it, right? They ran to find out where she went. See, that's what I meant when I'm talking about solidarity. It's more to it than showing up to the rally and saying Black Lives Matter, right? You cannot stand there and watch stuff like that happen and say, oh, wow, that's terrible. Something has to be done. Something has to happen. Now, how do you feel as a younger activist hearing that? Imagine that. Imagine being at the Capitol, somebody spits on you. You press charges and then the charges get dismissed. How you feel
1: I mean, just, just, like, picturing that. And I don't even mean say picturing it like happening it to me. Just picturing the fact that it happened to her. Absolutely just enrages me, if I'm going to be honest. I mean, that, that is so sickening. So sickening. Because, I mean, it's like... I had to remind myself, like, what year are we in? We're in 2023, right? (laughs) Because those are the same things that were happening in the 50s and the 60s. and So we're, we're here almost six decades later. And the same disrespectful and sickening disgusting acts are happening today. Yes, that, yes. that is like,
0: yes, it, it's just, it, it blows my mind. All of that. Let me add, so stay right there with the thought. Don't wait, hold on there. I recently visited Atlanta and on my way to an event, I saw, I passed by the civil rights museum. Okay. This is where, this is a landmark in America. Okay. Atlanta is home to a lot of great leaders and heritage and history. The you know MLK Park, all of that. How come people are okay walking by homeless people sleeping outside the Civil Rights Museum? You know, how do you feel about that setup? Talk to me. Yeah,
1: um, you know, it, it it just reminds me of like so many things I've said over the years, but one of them is that. None of us, none of us are free from oppression until literally, and I mean literally, <laughs> all of us are. And that includes people who are homeless, people who have mental health challenges, people who are facing economic, housing, education. I mean, everything <laughs> you can think of, all the disparities, all the inequality. All of that, right, because I can't as an activist, as someone who is there on the front lines and even behind the scenes, you know, doing all this work and putting all my passion into, you know, trying to make society better and then, you know, pass by the homeless population and be like, well, you know, that's outside of my scope of things, you know, and eh, well, you know, that's, that doesn't really pertain to, um, you know, gun violence or really pertain to, you know, uh, education. No, <laughs> no, I, I can't. I don't know about others, but I myself cannot separate these issues. I just can't. So. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine if I were passing by the Civil Rights Museum, right, and see a problem, like homelessness, right outside that museum, you know what that is to me? How I would see that. That is the visual representation of the United States. And what I mean by that is... Here we are, a memorial dedicated to such such terrible times, right? The civil rights movement, right, where all the atrocities that happened, but also a movement that pushed us along further on the path of actual equality and actual you know freedom. But right outside its doors. A problem that if Martin Luther King were still alive, that if Malcolm X was still alive, that if Constance Baker Motley was still alive, those same people who were leaders in the civil rights movement, you know, if they had lived long enough to see the victory of civil rights being achieved, who's to say that they wouldn't be fighting for homelessness? They wouldn't be fighting for mental health problems. So, you know, like, they understood themselves that there are other problems. So to me, it'd be a, a visual memorial Depicting a uh, sad, but also uh, an inspiring time in our country's history. But then look at the very, very same <laughs> country ignoring such a big problem it just it it really it plays on that double standard that the united states has when it comes to the people of this country you
0: know when when i saw that right, as I was sitting in the back of the Uber. Now, let me tell you something else about Atlanta. Most of the Uber drivers were Black, literally. African-American, from Africa, you name it, Afro-Caribbean, Afro-Latino, most of them were Black, right? Seeing people, homeless people sleeping in the MLK park, it hurt my soul. Seeing that image of homeless at an encampment right in front of near to the civil rights museum what the hell i couldn't bring myself to go there i really couldn't i couldn't do it and it's not because i was you know anything other than i I felt like this is this is like you just said it this is america this is it in atlanta what i saw is the oppression is so normalized A homeless man went into Subway, bought his sandwich, and then went into his tent that was about five feet away from the exit of the Subway and ate his food. What's wrong with that picture? Okay. I went to the Target. I call it Target because that's the white people, Walmart, right? And I, I was curious. I needed to see something. What did I need to see? I wanted to see the cost of food. I wanted to see because this was one of those Targets that had the grocery and the liquor store and everything else. Well, their liquor store is like you know, moderate beer, moderate wine, nothing too really, you know, too intense. But the point was, I was looking at the prices. What I found interesting is that I went in there to see if I could pick up a couple of knickknacks for my kids, and so, and so, you know, I didn't want to come back home with my hands swinging. That's just me, right? Especially for them why were the price of the graphic tees the same as the prices out here hmm so then i go into food section i was like all right maybe it's just the t-shirts but how come cereal is the same price here as it is there now we could talk about the taxes right we could do that but here's the thing about that even if their tax brackets are less their quality of life compensates for that right there because they're still paying the same prices for groceries. The minimum wage starts at seven. So if you tell me, how does that show that there's not a problem there, right? I'm standing here in the middle of Target asking myself, how are these people living? Not to mention the security at the Target was a militarized police officer, not just one, but two, complete with riot gear. What the fuck is going on at that Target? that they need to have an officer full-time, all day, till, from start to close, dressed like that?
1: Again, a representation of the United States. <laughs> you know? Uh, and I have to laugh. I have to laugh, not, not at, you know, the situation, but laugh at the irony, laugh at the double standard laugh at the fact that this is just this, this is what happens in the united states and, and i also laugh because it, i i hear about these things and then <laughs> what plays in my head are the hundreds of remarks that are made by these people in suits and ties and i don't mean me because I'm a different type of person with suit and tie on, but these <laughs> people with suits and ties who sit in our Congress, who, you know, sit in even just the state legislatures, you know, and and their party just so happens to begin with an R, you know, and they say, you know, well, we are passing this and passing this to boost the economy, to, you know, uh, to relieve, uh, to provide relief, you know, to our citizens and, and to bolster and reinforce you know the revenues they do all these things right they say all these things about how they just they want to make the economy better and you know all that stuff right and i hear that and then and then you you hear about these things right you hear about places that their minimum wage is seven eight dollars like, in twenty twenty three, that that's 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 not livable wage. No, you cannot, you cannot title that livable wage. I don't care what state it is, <laughs> seven or eight, nine, even ten dollars. I mean, anything below fifteen dollars in twenty twenty three, is not livable wage. It's it is m Im- possible it's not and so you know when, when I hear those numbers right then it's like well how do you expect how do you expect there to not be homeless how do you expect for people not have to work I mean before it was one or two jobs now it was three or four that's work three or four jobs with that type of salary you have to you, I mean, it's it's either choose to work three or four jobs, or choose to be homeless. Because there's no in between. You can't. You cannot. You cannot live in 2023 in the United States of America with two jobs. You know that are minimum wage, and the minimum wage is anything less than fifteen dollars. It's it is. I mean, how I would classify it, (laughs) it's inhumane. That's how I see it. It is actually inhumane to expect people to have to work three, four jobs at a minimum wage number like that.
0: And mind (laughs) you, right, add to that. Listen to what he's saying. These are facts. Because they're making below minimum wage but expected to live the life as if. They're making minimum wage. Mm-hmm. How the fuck is it that toilet paper at Target is $17.99 for a six-pack? One six-pack. Who's supposed to be able to buy that? The coffee creamer prices were the same there because me being me, and this is fact, while I'm standing there, I'm checking prices, I'm looking on the website, I'm looking at the North Haven, Connecticut store prices and I'm like this is madness. This is madness. And don't tell me nothing about, you know, well, you know, that's the brand, you know, the uh, you know, the store. No, 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 no. Prices vary allegedly according to the cost of living. The fact that you expect people to have this how are you supposed to be able to live, Manny? Right? And look at where this is happening. This is One of the hubs of the civil rights movement. As you said, I don't think our friend Gloria Cesar would appreciate this. Fannie Lou Hamer. What is wrong with y'all? Medgar Evers. Hello, somebody. John Lewis. This is not what they fought for. This is not it. Our people did not suffer and die for that. Now, meanwhile, here in Connecticut, let's come back here now. We have Corinne Prescott, who was discriminated against and harassed. So basically what the court system just said was, it's okay for people to spit on people in public. I don't think so. Because I bet you if that woman, that white woman was spit on by a black woman, this would be a different conversation. See, because it's easy to criminalize us. You're talking to somebody right now who looks like a criminal. I'll tell you that. I could tell when people shift their opinion of me right because i don't look like the average person listen i'm sorry if god bless me whoopsies right i'm not gonna apologize for being me in my skin i shouldn't have to do that but that's what's happening right that's the war is always on us then we have the situation with megan friedman who should really just come out and say that she is the writer for the ku klux klan because why would you take it upon yourself to write not just one but two articles in an attempt to disenfranchise a black woman okay while the mayor of hamden is a princess lauren garrett has never had to do anything but you know shave a pencil for her life she comes from money stink money she never had to work she marries a slum lord, a man who you know makes his money off of illegal rooming houses right? If I go and I buy a house and I start to, you know, and people do it. They try to make money. They, they invite their friends, their uncle, their auntie, and then say, oh, by the way, I need that $50 for the light bill. You know, it's kind of high. Guess what? You just became a landlord. Okay? Just call it what it is and we could all be happier. Some people get to the point where they even section off a space and they say, okay, I'm going to let you sleep in Joey's room. Joey go and sleep with his sisters, but you go and have to give me 150 for a week, each week. That's an illegal room in house Anywho's dan garrett lauren garrett's ex-husband older than her by the way because she got a thing for the older man that's her business not mine from what i was told mr garrett loves to get these private properties and he loves to illegally room them out see what he does is he say that he rents it to one and then they invite their friends or cousins or uncles so that's why it became that way no asshole that became that way because you found a way to make money. And let's not forget, this is the same Dan Garrett who decided it would be a great idea to start evicting people during the, actually at the beginning of the pandemic. Meanwhile, his wife at the time, Lauren Garrett, is yelling out Black Lives Matter. What you think?
1: <sighs> yeah. Um... Jeez, it just, it, <laughs> it really does, it infuriates me. It, it gets me so, just so mad because, like, well, let me just dissect this a bit. First, with, the, with what happened with Corinne and the fact that the charges were dropped, right? I mean, just, there's, there, I mean, well, there's no, there's, there's no actual consequences that are happening, Right? Um. wow, it, it's, it's a slap in the face. It is a slap in the face by the justice system. And it, again, reminds you of civil rights because those things were happening to black and brown people, getting spit on, getting harassed, just blatantly disrespected, treated inhumanely. And then it will be taken to the justice system, be taken to the courts, taken to law enforcement. And just nothing happens. No consequences. Right. And, and therefore setting that precedent that it's okay for things like that to happen to black and brown people because there won't be any consequences. And again, it just, that, it, it makes me so mad because So many people gave their lives during the civil rights movement. How many people made sacrifices? And even since the civil rights movement, you know, even well into the seventies, eighties and nineties, obviously now even in 2020s, right? People still are on the front lines for these things. And it's, it's like time passes society is supposed to advance, but look, look at the same habits, look at the same things that are happening now than they were were 60 years ago. And that just makes me so, so mad because people like Corinne should, should not, should not have to be the victims of such blatant and sickening, just disgusting acts, and then have no consequences brought to the to the perpetrator. That is, That's just I'm beside myself when I think about that. So so I mean just just that thing itself. I mean yeah, it, it absolutely it, it astounds me. But um. No, I mean, you know, when we talk about other people who, uh, you know, in the public, they are, you know, on the front lines and they want to join fights and they want to, you know, be part of movements and, and they want to develop a reputation for being on the right side of society, right? And then behind closed doors. They're entirely different. We see that all the time, right? I've seen it with multiple people, <laughs> right? Um, and and again, it's not nothing new. It's something that's always been there. It's something that people have always done. Um, but it doesn't make it any less wrong doesn't make it any less um, acceptable, right? And and it shouldn't make it any less tolerated, right? Any, any less tolerable. I mean, you, we still shouldn't tolerate those things, uh, regardless of who the person is, right? Whether it's a politician, whether it's an educator, whether it's a, a person of the clergy, no matter whether it's a fellow activist right it doesn't matter doesn't matter who the person is, what title they have you know how you know them what they no doesn't matter um, because if you are going to be part of movements if you are going to declare yourself as someone who uh, is an ally or someone who, You know, you're, you know, going to be on the front lines of every fight and you're going to be, you know, working to do everything in your power to make things better. Right. You're making all these statements and and you're doing all these actions to provide a a certain type of narrative about yourself. But then you also do things that go against everything. (laughs) That you have put into that narrative that you're trying to make. And then you don't expect to be held accountable for it. It's like, well, what did you expect to happen? You expect that for people to find out and then just be like, oh, it's okay. Or, you know, oh, you know, um, we forgive you. Or or we'll just overlook it. No. Well,
0: no, well, <laughs> and here's the thing. With the Garrett, right? Now, Lauren decided, Lauren was all about Black Lives Matter. You know, she was one of those white people that made sure she was seen. She wanted everybody to know that she hated this thing. That's that white saviorism shit, okay? Now, when she needed uh, Rhonda, right? Rhonda was the best thing since sliced bread. At the same time, her husband, her then-husband, Dan Garrett, would show up. He's all about equity. Yeah, look at me, look at me. I'm a white man, who cares? Yeah, fuck Trump. All They're saying all the white things. They're showing up in all the white spaces. She becomes mayor and then she divorces him because why would she want people to find out that actually she's married to a slumlord? Okay? All right, so we have that part of it. On top of all of that, you exploited the movement for your benefit And then you turn around and now you're trying to defame the black woman who even made you a thing in the first place. That's a tale as old as slavery. Exploitation much? As a younger activist, Manny, seeing all of this, how do you feel as far as what you anticipate to come your way? Because you've been active for some time now. So has Rhonda, right? She may, you know, you guys crossed paths at different times and became involved at different times. But my, my point is, is that seeing what's happening to her, how does that how does that impact you? What do you think about that? Does that make you think that, man, I need to re-strategize, I need to rethink certain, or I need to know how to move? So-
1: yeah, well, you know, <laughs> when I... Yeah, you know, I've been doing this, geez, for almost six, seven years now, um, and and I don't, I don't think it was until probably the second or third year of me, you know, being politically involved, being in the activism field, and doing all the things that I was doing. You know, and and obviously, um, anyone who knows me knows that my favorite subject is history, right? So I always always was researching, you know, historical things and civil rights and all these different movements, right? And how key figures and key activists, you know, there's, I mean, occurrences that happen with them of people, you know, essentially riding coattails, right, (laughs) for their own benefit to then, you know, as soon as they are able to get shoulder to shoulder, you know, with a person that, you know, they were riding the coattails on. They go and they elbow them in the face, essentially, <laughs> you know, and, and turn and just do a complete one eighty on this person for their own benefit, right? And, and that's happened with so many key leaders and key activists and, and people in all different fields, right? And so, my second and third year, I, I kind of I was thinking about it. And I have thought about it every every year since. Is I know it's inevitable. That's the ugly truth. It is inevitable for me to encounter people who will say they're they support me, say they want to be in the fight with me, you know, who will be on you know the front line, shoulder to shoulder with me, right, and and I will think that they are like the absolute, you know, trustworthy person, you know, on my side. And then at any given moment, they can do a complete 180 and elbow me right in my head <laughs> and turn right against me, right? Once they no longer uh, feel that, I, you know, they have uh, use for me, right? That I'm no longer useful to them. It's inevitable. It when, when you're in this field...
0: That is so sad. I mean, I'm not disagreeing because he's right. You know, again, I've mentioned this previously. I've had and continue to have my own gaslighting and gatekeeping. I'm not going to sit here and not talk on it. If anything, I try to bring it out because we need to talk about it. And Mm -hmm. people need to acknowledge it. They need to recognize that this is happening because the gaslighting and the gatekeeping is real. And as he's saying, it knows no bounds, right, Manny?
1: Absolutely right. That is is very, very true. It doesn't, you know, a lot of people think that, oh, it's only in the field of politics. It's only in the field of activism. No, it is in every field you can think of. It's in fields that you didn't even think it was in.
0: You know, and let's add to that. Sometimes the ones who look like us help it. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right, it's crazy. It's like i you know like if you're not done with what i'm doing then you don't have to be part of it leave me alone right so why are you joining the fight against me how do you feel about that you're helping you're aiding and abetting the white supremacy again we have two examples here of two black women who have endured public examples public these are the cases we know about much less what we don't know because there are many untold stories we think about when i think about this i think about my fast food employees all right my domestic workers okay can you just imagine what they're going through on the job no you can't no you can't that's not your lived experience okay you cannot dictate to someone who has endured this shit mm-hmm. what it feels like and that's part of the problem And we need to challenge the white media because the white media will criminalize us. Look at what they're trying to do now to bring empathy to the bullshit that happened with that submissile. What the fuck were y'all going to look for down there that you paid how much money to go see? Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Meanwhile, we have this princess mayor who becomes the mayor and she immediately forgets that there are black people at The city, too. You're only leading the portion that you agree with. You don't want the rest of us there. Okay? And then, right here in New Haven, I don't know if you heard this when I was reading this. Recently, the current mayor of New Haven, Justin Elliker, got the endorsement from the unions. That's scary to me. Because weren't these, most of these unions, the same ones saying that we need a, a rent control, cap the rent, and saying all those things? Weren't they the same ones saying that the cost of living is so high? So why the hell would you go and endorse the person who's going to invest in more policing as well as make a ferry rip down all that long Wharf development so he could make a ferry? Why? To serve who? The jobs are not going to come to us. Just so you know, this is a plan that he has been working on. Okay. He wants to rip all of that down and make that into a ferry. So people could go from there to New York and the contracting work is not going to go to local people. What the hell, Manny? Talk to me as a younger person. How do you feel? Yeah.
1: You know, um, (laughs) as I, as I said before, you know, to people, uh, there's one thing I learned and one thing I will always keep at the forefront of my mind is the betrayal has no color, has no age, has no uh, preconceived look <laughs> right this it doesn't have any criteria. You can't characterize it as a certain it does, betrayal comes in any form it wants to right uh, So when you say, yeah, you know, like even people who look like me and you can be right there with us, side by side, and all it takes is for them in that split second to decide they want to do a complete one hundred and eighty, <laughs> and they will do that.
0: Right. Correct is right. Um, Correct is right. Correct <laughs> it, is right. And, talk that talk, Manny. And
1: you know, and and that. I remember the first couple instances of, of, like, witnessing that, you know, against myself <laughs> and, like, being absolutely just, I mean, my mind was blown, you know, <laughs> because, you know, being young and, like, entering this field and stuff, you know, because, I mean, I entered this field when, jeez, I was 11 years old, you know, <laughs> and so being young and everything, I would not have expected someone who looks like me, someone who comes from the same inner city, to someone who, you know, uh, was, was in all these fights and these struggles and, you know, has shared all these same views and everything. So then like one day just decide to do a complete 180 degree turn and like throw me <laughs> down the gutter, you know? And, I was just beside myself. And it it was then that I realized that, again, betrayal does not look a certain way. In fact, betrayal oftentimes has the most surprising look to it. And that's that's what what catches people off guard almost every single time. But, but, um, Yeah, our key figures, our key figures, uh, I'll make this in general in society, (laughs) who are supposed to represent us, who are supposed to do what's good um, for, you know, the whole of us, right, for the people that they represent, which is us, supposed to represent us. Time after time again, we see that they do what's in their own best interest. And, you know, thankfully, thankfully, to pieces of paper that were made hundreds of years ago, (laughs) we have the power to take them out of those positions. But somehow, somehow, despite all of the prevailing evidence that they should be taken out of these positions, somehow they get enough people to keep them in there. And what's surprising is that the people, many of the people that they get to keep them in there are the same people who prior to an election year or something, are they on the front lines criticizing that person? <laughs> and so, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've said there personally. And I'm like, hold on, wait, 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 wait did I miss something? Like, real. weren't you For just
0: like, on? I mean, on? <laughs> it's like, talk about the pot call in the capital black. Like, <laughs> wait a minute. And that, that's the thing with Lauren Garrett, right? Because she literally, and if I'm lying, I'm flying. You can look at the woman's timeline. Well, they cleaned it up now because Sean Grace made sure that he removed the evidence of fact. But other people have footage to show that Lauren Garrett was standing there talking about justice for Stephanie and Paul. But then when it came time for Stephanie Washington to settle and for Paul to get his justice, she fucked them over. She did things like destroy public records. Where was the solidarity there? She did things like put Rhonda on the police commission only to abandon her there and create it where she always had barriers to making it successful. She did not want to see that work, right? And it's like you're saying, we recycle these people. Why do we do that? We need to take that piece of paper. See, I argue that it's not that we don't have enough voters. The problem is people are not voting. Mm. Right. And we need to remember. Right. Right. they are not voting. They're registered. They're just not voting. mm -hmm. Right. And the other thing is, right. The Republicans don't give a fuck about a list. They knock every door. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. Right. The Democrats don't do that. They pull a list and they say only knock on these doors. That's the bullshit. And then the mistake we make, we don't create parties that befit the real people. We sit there and we let white people tell us what looks good. You see, the bullshit happens even in the grassroots spaces. They come and they try to dictate in that space too. When what should be happening is that you should be supportive of us. Not, not you know, not oppressive. These are two different things. There are people who will vote. We just don't, we don't appeal to them because we keep recreating our wheel, we keep reappointing the same people. Look at the New Haven Board of Alders. Most of those people have spent most of their life, the Board of Ed, all of them. And the other problem is these people also cross-represent. We see that happening in all these areas, Hamden included. They go and they serve on one board here, one. There should be a limitation. And then I always never understood why is it the city of new haven yes it's a you know a locality and so forth it has its principles its rules its guidelines the mayor has a term limit but somehow these principles don't apply to the board of elders they make it up as they go and they're always seem to be fixing it see to me just like the hampton police commission how do you not have policies procedures and all of that and what they're not saying is that's the kind of shit that Rhonda was looking for that they didn't want to give ah aha uh-huh. how is it that lauren garrett was okay with destroying conveniently destroying public records and nobody saw that as a problem police records regarding the case were foiled and she mistakenly destroyed them that does not sound like a mistake to me manny does that sound like a mistake to you
1: <clears throat> I'm, I'm just gonna cough i'm just gonna do my coffee <laughs> you interpret that as you will.
0: <laughs> Manny scoffed at that bullshit. How are you feel about it? I mean, I, I'm always eager to hear from the younger ones, like when you see stuff like this, how do you see the movement know and go?
1: It, um, it does what it what it's always done to me. Um, one gets me angry. <laughs> That's always the first thing. <laughs> they always get angry. <laughs> That's my first step. And then two, what I do with that anger uh, is I say, "Well, I know what my next mission is," <laughs> you know. Uh, and I, uh, I sit there and I contemplate and I reflect and I'm like, "Okay, well, one more thing for me to fight for <laughs> or fight against." You know, um, and, and because we can't, we cannot keep letting this happen, and, and we we do, we keep letting it happen. We keep just just <laughs> finding excuses. We keep trying to you know overlook it or just not look at all because we want you know we don't want to face the ugly truths that are associated with it. You know, with with a lot of these problems, right? Some people are like, you know what, I just. I, <laughs> you know, they they don't want to be outside of those comfort zones, right? And so they just either make themselves oblivious to it or they, you know, try to just look at a surface level and find some type of, you know, uh, digestible, you know, truth, right? Uh, A very (laughs) watered-down version of, of the actual truth right? Just as uh, it's digestible. Um, but not me, you know. <laughs> I'm, I haven't been that way, I've never been that way, and I won't be that way.
0: No, know? I was just about to I'm... say, I was just about to say, he better not. <laughs> he better not, but good, good job, because he, he's absolutely right. The minute I've met this kid, you know, I don't see it in him. You kind of know, when you know, you know. And he's genuine to fact, right? And, you know, Manny, I'm curious, you know, where do you see the movement going from here as far as younger activists, seeing what's going on with Ronda and Corinne. Talk
1: to us. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've, I've not, I've not made it a secret at all in the six to seven years I've been doing this that I have goals along this path of activism and political work, um, uh, you know, that I've been doing, um, one of those goals is to be an elected office. Right. Um, and so, I've always told people along the way. I said, "Just wait, just wait, just give me time." Right? Obviously, there are legal uh, <laughs> restrictions for me. Right? I had to be of age and stuff like that. So obviously, starting at 11 years old, and <laughs> I only just turned 18 last year. So you know, I had to wait quite a bit. But um, I, I always told everyone along this path. I've made mean, in speeches. You you can find in news articles and. Interviews, whatever you want to look, but I have always said it. I wanted to be in elected office, um, because I, I recognize that. Yeah, you can be just an activist. Yeah, you can just be a politician. Yeah, you can just be, uh, you know, just um, an ally in the movement. You know, a citizen or just a constituent of your city or whatever. Yeah, you can be any of those singular roles, and you can do really great work in each of those individual uh, roles, right? I, on the other hand, have placed myself in all of those roles because I realized that for changes to really, really get pushed forward and for things to really, really progress, you have to involve yourself in each of those roles. You have to take a little bit of each, every one of those roles, and put them all together. Right? You have to combine activism with politics. You have to combine politics with just being a regular constituent, right? And vice versa all around. So, for me, all right, like I said, it's been no secret that I want to be in elected office. Um, And I've told people the first elected office that i'm most likely going to do is mayor of new haven that's never been a secret you know um if you can even i I don't know if uh i I probably have to find it somewhere but it might have been an article or probably one of the the new uh video uh news but uh even justin edgar himself (laughs) acknowledged it you know we were at a a vaccine event, Uh, I don't know if it was, I think it might have been two or three years ago. I think, yeah, probably 2020, 2021, around there. And we were at a vaccine event um, in Newhallville. And, you know, I I was uh, the host, and I brought him up, and, you know, he was on the speaker lineup. And one of the first things he said was, uh, you know, this guy standing next to me is a future mayor of New Haven. You know, I mean, <laughs> I've not made it a secret that this is something I want to do. Um, but here's here's what I've always told people. So what's, what's going to be different about me being in any elected office? But, you know, for now, Mayor of New Haven, I want you to find something about me. I want you to find something dirty about me because... There is
0: none. Yes, mommy. <laughs> and not,
1: yes. You know, yes. And I'm not saying that as as like, you know, exactly. as everyone else who, who runs, right? Who's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm I'm clean. I'm squeaky clean. And then you're not going to find anything. And then you find like a million things about them, you know? <laughs> but no, there really isn't because I don't keep secrets. I don't hide anything. I don't lie. I, In fact, that's why I get in trouble, right? Because I'm honest and I'm blunt that's and fair. I put everything out there. That's correct. You know, so when I run for office, please hire every single prime investigator you want. You know, <laughs> I mean, if you've turned up with something that I haven't made public or I haven't said already, then, hey, I mean, at that point, I got to start wondering if I have a twin somewhere around here, you know, because <laughs> it definitely wasn't me. But, you know, it, when I go to elected office, what I'm bringing, right, is... One, I've done the work way before there were any uh, ulterior motives or any benefits for me, right? I mean, I was 11, 12, 13 years old. And, um, you know, I, I was having meetings with council people I and mean, being on the front lines, making speeches and doing all these different things with, with no, like, I didn't really have any clear goals, you know, at the time. You know, I mean, this was just... Issues and movements that I was passionate about, and I put myself out there right. And, um, you know, going into elected office is going to be the very same thing. I'm not going to, you know, turn into a different person. Shoot, I, I told people, I said, uh, I said, it, it, I'm probably going to get in trouble for not being in the office, you know, <laughs> for not being in city That's hall true. That is because. True. That is true. <laughs> because I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not that type of person. Right. And, and of course, probably some people are probably going to say, well, the mayor has to be a type of, no, 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 no. The mayor doesn't have to be a certain way. People just for some reason fall to be, you know, office people and, but no, the mayor is a representative of the constituents of New Haven. So the mayor shouldn't be holed up in city hall. And, you know, you get virtually impossible to get in contact with him, you know, or to hold a conversation with him or only see him at events and stuff. No. The mayor should be like knocking on your door on a random Tuesday morning and asking, how are you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the mayor shouldn't be someone you even put on a pedestal. I would tell people, I said, don't put me on a pedestal. I said, don't. I mean, as many things as I've done and accomplished and I have, don't ever put me on a pedestal. Because me, you are exactly the same. Uh, on, on the basic level of it all, me, you are exactly the same. So the only point is, is I mean, the only difference that there might be between us is I probably get in trouble a little bit more than you do. <laughs> Except for speaking my mind. But aside from that, I said whether I'm wearing a suit and a tie or I'm wearing pajama pants and a t-shirt, said I'm just still just as as normal as you. You know? um so you know so when i think about the movement going forward i think about what what am i going to contribute what am i going to do and how am i going to inspire others and bring others along with me right and it's and it's always been letting them know that when i get into elected office oh trust me it's going to cause an uproar it's going to cause an uproar. I just about to say that. What? You took it out of my mouth
0: because <laughs> the minute you do that, I know we ran over a little bit, but I need to ask you this question before we, we close it out. I want you to speak to two sets of people. All right, I want you to tell them what you mm-hmm. need them to do. I want you to to directly let the people know. the black and brown people who have played into this, mm-hmm. I want you to appeal to them. Tell them what they need to do. And also to the people who you know, say they're allies, what do they need to do so we continue to work and you could meet?
1: Right. So the Black and Brown people of our communities, um, the odds are stacked against us, but that's nothing new. They've always been stacked against us since the moment that we were forced to be on this land. Um. And so, yes, we've heard this line that I'm going to say a hundred times over. But now more than ever is a time to step out of the comfort zones that you were placed. Realize that those comfort zones were zones put upon you put upon your family and those are not zones that you should be complacent in so you need to step out of them and be with people like me like cj like so many of the other activists who we take those boundaries and we play jump rope with them
0: <laughs> that's funny <laughs> to,
1: <laughs> to see those. Uh, those people who are the allies. The people um, When you call yourself an ally, you know, realize, realize two things. Realize, one, that the black and brown community has generations and generations of, of reasons to mistrust you. Um, It's a lot of time, it's nothing personal, right? It's just how our history is. So rather than just saying you're an ally, rather than just showing up to a few events or being on the front lines, a few movements, right? Yeah, that's all good and stuff. But what really, what really makes you an ally is when situations like what happened with Corinne. Like what happened with Randy Cox, like what happened with Rhonda, right? When situations like that happen, you stick your neck out on the line as well. Yes. And defend the integrity of those people. Yes. When there are no cameras, when there are no public demonstrations or whatever, when it is behind the scenes, you know, situations that happen to black and brown people. What makes you a real ally is when those things happen, you stick your neck out on the line. That makes you an ally, not just when it's in public.
0: That's Manny. Manny, that is some powerful shit you just laid down. And I hope people heard that because mm-hmm. he's right. You know, for the black and brown people who stand there and they play into this, right, who sit there and they say, well, we have to do it that way because that white person said so. Who need to have white leadership to think something is, is successful, whether you want to admit that in your bathroom or publicly, you are actually aiding and abetting the white supremacy. Hashtag facts. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and as far as the white people who are struggling with what to do, he's right. You have to stick your neck out, because guess what? When this is happening to us, we don't get an opportunity to react. We have to keep our neck out. You just have to choose when you want to stick it out. Mm -hmm. That's two different ways of life. Well, Manny, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on here and share your thoughts. You know we're going to continue this. And for all of those who tuned in, thank you so much for your continued support and solidarity. We appreciate you sincerely. you have any closing thoughts, Manny, before we close it out?
1: just um always keep up the the idea of nothing nothing is ever final nothing is ever right the way it is and there is always 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 so much more work to do but it all starts with you
0: that's right that's absolutely right well thank you again Manny so much and for all of those who continue to support Subscribe here and empower and encourage us. We appreciate you sincerely. Your solidarity is greatly appreciated. That's all for now. Fist up, smile on. Peace. CJ.